Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. And today's topic is, will zero trust adoption remain a pipe dream? Now, why do I say that? You know, zero trust security model actually has a, a great promise. I mean, it would help you use uh, this as a defense against, you know, the emerging and the unrecognized and the unpredictable threats. We still, and it, 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 people have tried to use it, but then it seems like that a lot of organizations are engaged in some sort of a piecemeal implementation approach or they are having issues with the administration's commitment towards it. Or some people say, you know what, this is a lot of work because you are touching too many things. And, and that's why Zero Trust doesn't seem to be gaining ground. Now, I may be wrong. Some organizations might have reached that utopic state, but many organizations say it has not truly become fully cooked yet. So what should organizations do, whether business, IT, uh, uh, security, all of these constituents, how should they work individually and collectively to allow zero trust to gain ground, get properly implemented, which will help, of course, all uh, parties equally. So to discuss this, I have an esteemed panel here. I've got three guests. So starting with Gerald Karen, Chief Information Officer, Assistant Inspector General of Information Technology, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and Office of Inspector General. Hey, Gerald, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, sir, can't complain. And we also have Dan Wilkins, Chief Information Security Officer with the state of Arizona. Hey, Dan, how's life? Good morning, doing good. All right. And Bharat Soni, Chief Information Security Officer and Group Head Information Security Group Guarantee Trust Bank. Hey, Bharat, how is everything for you? I'm fine, I'm fine, Sanjog. Hello, everyone. Everything going good. Beautiful. So yeah, let's jump in. Um, so, so Gerald, this first question is for you. Zero trust is not new. I heard about it almost a decade ago. But then we still hear people struggling to implement it. Even though we have invested in it and related to people process, the tools, uh, and, and, and we have tried to do change management, the whole nine, yet things are at a less than desired state. So what could be missing here? Yeah, no, that, that's a good question. And I can speak from the experience of people that I've interacted with and groups. It's, it's a cult, it, it is a culture change. It, it's a different way of looking at things. Um, you know, it's not something that you just give to the identity management team, if there's one, or the network team and say, hey, go do this. Um, it's, it's an architecture. It's, everything has to work together. So it's a team effort. And I've seen, you know, um, some organizations, they work in stovepipes, right? The, you know, here's the, um, the network team and they do their thing and their stovepipe and do their security and everything. But really, this has to work together. So it's an integration effort um, at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, people integrate and do things today, but this is a more seamless integration. If you look at, you know, the Department of Homeland Security's pillars, you know, which are data, um, network application and end user identity 
and oh my god i forgot the last one um application um then you know those this has to all work through all those pillars so all those pillars have to be integrated in some form or fashion you can't just work on the identity pillar to in my eyes and think that everything's going to work there there's so much more to zero trust you get you almost got to look at the totality of it and understand where you're at and then kind of understand where you need to be and what are those gaps that you have you may be doing some things that you can take advantage of but you really got to look at it in the totality. So it's an architecture integration effort. It's not a take a thing off the shelf kind of thing. Um, it's and it's also not just a technology challenge. It there's there's the policy and risk tolerance challenge as well. Understanding those risk tolerances and when thresholds are met, what are those policies that you're going to put in place? So really understanding that and also understanding the data what you're protecting at the end of the day is the data what is that data where is that data and what does normal look like um because if you don't know what normal looks like how are you going to take an action when you don't when something abnormal happens so um i think you know those things all kind of add up to kind of the some of the struggles that i see um where you know way people uh, organize some organizations that I've experienced are organized. Um, it, it's more than just an IT problem. It's an, it's an, it's an organizational thing as well. Um, and it's a culture change. So Dan coming to you. So great response, uh, Gerald. Now you mentioned about looking at it holistically. So Dan coming to you, is this like an elephant, which we can eat one bite at a time and still eat it all by and, and, and that way, at least it is realistic or it will become a boil the ocean if you try to eat it all at the same time. What What's the best way to tackle it in the first place? Well, you know, the thing is, is people want to boil the ocean. They want to do everything in one shot. They want to just have that big bang effort and be done with it. But the reality here is th these things take time and effort. These things are not going to be a simple like, you know, plug my appliance in and I'm all of a sudden zero trust compliant here. Uh, so. I know everybody wants the easy button. They want to be able to just, you know, uh, put, what vendor is going to give me the solution that I can just install in my environment and I'm done. I can walk away and, and wash my hands and I'm all set. But really what we have to do is just like uh, Gerald mentioned here is we have to educate. We have to guide the thought process. We have to look at uh, what, what the culture in the organization is today. And how do we start slowly migrating it and change the ship's course a little bit here? Because, this is not a technology problem to solve. Yes, we can use technology to help us. We can use technology you know, to our benefit and our favor here, but this is not a tool that we're implementing here. We have to work on people first. We have to work on the thought process, the mindset, on the, the organizational goals. And uh, we, we have to get away from this, uh, this buzzword. You know, I, I heard this in Skymall magazine. I heard this on a you know, business flight that I was taking between you know, here and there. And, and uh, we have to get down to the know the why why are we doing this why why is it why is zero trust important why i mean we've been we've been doing elements of zero trust for for years but you know nobody has really you know put the whole container around this and said this is what we're doing from a holistic approach and and we have to start with the basics we can't do you you can't jump to the top tier without doing the foundation first you got to build the foundation to get there so bharat we have had 10 years okay and and with both Dan and Gerald mentioning that, yes, we want to do holistically and yes, we have to do piecemeal for us to get there. But 10 years is a lot of time. I'm not saying it was an easy problem to crack in the first case, uh, first place. So 
So what do you think could be happening? Are we going round in circles to say sometimes we are trying to do holistically, other times we are trying to break it apart and try to tackle, but we're not reaching to where we want to. Where are we missing the boat? Okay, so I will I will align my thought thought processes with Diane and Gerald both. But however, you know there are a number of reasons why organization really struggle to adopt a zero trust. It's been available already available into the environment. A big part of the organization typically have you know the opinion that zero trust implementation nowadays with the buzzword of zero trust, which means uh, introduction of shiny new tools, totally shiny new tools to be introduced, and then it has to be you know it, it like a mammoth or something which we need to strategically think. It's I believe that there are why organizations struggle to implement you know zero trust is there is always a piecemeal approach followed in such implementation. We can't take it as a holistic, uh, this thing. We also, we means uh, organizations, anyone who wants to implement zero trust must allow or follow a strategic thought process first in designing and implementation of a zero trust uh, 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 environment, uh, in, into the environment. The, the strategy should consider, very deeply consider the complex factors that are involved. For example, First thing first is planning. Many of the times, zero trust implementation that we see today comes as also add-ons. It's not something that, you know, it's coming from the base. It's an add-on to already existing infrastructure. We have something in place. We want to implement something new uh, into the architecture. And then there are uh, bolted after the fact that now we want to implement. There are certain implementations which are already been done. Now we are bolting it something on the fact that some new amount of, always there is a, when you introduce something new, there's always a friction into the process. So we have to consider all those things granularly. Even some legacy application which are into the system, they don't even have support for zero trust network. Model itself is not considered because those legacy applications are even before like 10 years old, 20 years old application. They are just upgrading themselves from a security perspective, but not including the zero trust framework into the model. Unless we change the whole things back, it, it will require a complex, uh, complete redesign or maybe very significant um, workaround to have zero trust model work into any organization. So that that's that's at a strategic level. Obviously, we need to include the people process and uh, the other strategic implementation part of what is in the system already and how we want to implement it. That's my thought. So Gerald, based on Bharat, what he's just said, you know, he said a bunch of things which could be the reasons why zero trust people are not able to implement. But can we just keep talking about things which are preventing us or can we do something about it so that in five years, I will not say a year, in five years, if I come back and have the same discussion with you guys, you don't say that these are challenges anymore and life is good and we're singing Kumbaya and Zero Trust is implemented. Yeah, so, you know... Uh being with the federal government, of course, you know, we have executive orders and we have OMB, you know, memos out of OMB telling us to do it now. So we have that forcing um, thing that that, of course, um, is making us do it. Now, are people still struggling and there's a lot of education to be done? Yeah. But, um, you know, it's starting to that wave is starting to shift. So people are starting to catch up, you know, what we could have been doing started 10 years ago, you know, we're just, some people are just starting and understanding the concept um, and wrapping their head around it. 
Um, so yeah, I think, you know, for us, um, five years, you're, you're going to see some successful implementations. Now, are they going to be that utopia, you know, that, you know, with all the Forrester principles and that the John Kindervad, who is the father of zero trust, um, is it going to be that utopia? Maybe not, but you know what? It's steps forward are better than no steps at all in this case. And I think, you know, what's, what's also going to change that, that culture is, and, uh, I think Dan being with a, a state government, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, you know, we're very compliance focused, whereas, you know, we have a checkbox of things that we have to go through for our systems. Well, zero trust doesn't lend itself to that necessarily that checkbox of compliance. What we're trying to be, we're trying to be with zero trust, we're trying to be effective at our cybersecurity. Um, and why do I say that? compliance and effectiveness are two different things like um the compliance can say i must provide authentic strong authentication or, or authentication i do username and password well that's not strong that's not effective um we really need to focus on effectiveness and how we measure that effectiveness going forward and i think you know once that's realized um and we kind of start focusing on how to get to that stage and that thought process is going to help. But I think you'll see successful within five years. Um, as you said, it is a multi-year journey. It's not a one-year thing. It's not a shiny object. Um, it changed the way it's going to change the way users work. Um, but, you know, build those things in, um, those requirements. So really, uh, this is, it's a big communication effort for us as well within our organization to include our users because we want to know how they want to work what data do they rely on? When do they rely on that data? So we can build those requirements in. And then that will um, reduce the friction of adoption uh, because we've included them, we've communicated with them, we've, we've given them a heads up because that's one of the things, you know, is some efforts like this. Um, if IT is here to enable a mission and if that mission can't get done, guess what? Um, that goes up to the upper reaches of your organization and all of a sudden your zero trust effort for, in this example could uh, go to the wayside because, hey, you're impeding the mission kind of thing. So um, really bringing in the user um, community as well, I think is very important. So there's a big, we, we have a marketing and education effort with, with our whole organization, not just go do it in the IT shop and then put this new thing out and now all your users are going to be like, what is this kind of thing? So we're trying to include their requirements. So we're using it and leveraging it as a modernization effort at the same time. So Dan, how much zero trust is good enough for us to say, okay, we made progress. You may not be at that utopic state yet. It's, you've not reached the Holy Grail, but this is good enough so that we can stay on it. Otherwise, people will say this is like an endless thing and it would actually start sucking in resources and your the, the, the law of diminishing returns will start kicking in. Very true. So here's the, the trap that everybody falls into here is you've got a forest fire that's just blazing through, it's burning down trees and everything, and everybody wants to just parachute into the fire and start putting the fire out. Well, if we don't know the scope of what we're trying to accomplish, if we don't know how big the fire is, what direction the wind's blowing, if we don't know any of that, how are you going to attack this problem? You're, you're not going to be able to effectively fight this fire. You may, you may have a localized, you know, being able to deal with something at a very local level, but you're not seeing the big picture here. So I think what we need to do is really perform a business risk assessment across the organization 
We need to figure out where are our pain points? What exactly are we trying to solve here? What is the issue that we have in front of us? Okay. Now, zero trust may not be the answer right now. It might be a future answer. It might be something that we're building toward. It may not be something that we need to implement right this minute, but uh, we need to understand what exactly we're trying to accomplish first. So I, I like to liken this to, uh, uh, you know, you're running a race, right? So you start running a race and you're like, okay, I'm feeling great. I'm running, I'm running. I'm, this is, this is great. And, and you're, you're passing people and you're, you're passing by the, the refreshment stands and everything and you're running and, and you keep going. And then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I'm starting to get tired here. Where, where am I running to? Okay. Well, I haven't really got there yet. I haven't got to the finish line. Where should I, should I be, should I be expecting it? Where's this thing at? So then we look at this and say, Hey buddy, uh, I'm, I'm running here. Do you know where the finish line is? And he's like, what finish line? What are we talking about here? And, and you're like, the finish line to the race. And, and nobody knows what you're talking about. So we need to get back to what exactly, what are we trying to solve here? What is the mission we're trying to accomplish here? And we need to identify that by clear goals and objectives. So establish exactly what we're looking for. What are our parameters? And try not to get that scope creep that happens on every project, right? I mean, we have every single project that comes along that some just add this one piece in, just add this one piece in, just add this one piece in, and we never get there. We never have a we never have a defined scope, and we'll never get there. So that's what that's what I would say. We we need to define what mission we're trying to accomplish, what are the benefits for that, and how do we support and enable through technology to help hit those goals and objectives. That's what I would say. So, Bharat, uh, based on what Dan said, how much of that did you get a chance to? Uh, paint as a picture so that people know where we are heading. And when you try to get people to go in that direction, what pitfalls did you encounter? Okay, so uh, what uh, I would say that here, and I agree with the point that uh, this is a journey. We cannot just, uh, you know, say that we have achieved something. And with the way what we're looking at the, the dynamics of technology changing every day, new regulations are coming every day. I can tell you zero trust is an ongoing process. We cannot say that after five years also we'll be able to complete this process because there will be something new coming up. There will be something uh, compliance from a compliance level, from a risk profiling, from everything that will come up. So it for me, zero trust will remain a continuous and ongoing journey for everyone, every organization. And as rightly mentioned earlier, that it's a cultural change. You know, what we say that uh, every every place there is a risk which is to be assessed at the initial level itself. So when we talk about the risk that has to be adopted into the DNA or the culture of the organization. So maybe I would say when an employee, whether a, a new hire at a mid-level or wherever in the organization the person is coming, when you look for the when you look for the adoption of things, it has to be started from the initial process. Obviously, there will be pitfalls. You cannot convince, you know, there is... There is always saying that there is no single bullet for everything. So there is always uh, what you called uh, people who will be convinced. Management will always look at it as a cost sometimes. Why we are doing this? Why we are not doing this? So there is a business case. I'm, 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 my thought process really is we need to start making it as a DNA change, not just a profiling or awareness issue. It's a DNA change into the organization then only we can get ahead onto this journey. If we don't profile our organization, what are our risks? What is the what is the details in which we are looking for? Maybe for the sake of discussion, zero trust cannot be implemented on everything, right? Again, management will come back and say that it's a uh, big budget we're talking about. So let's identify our risk at, around the assets. And then we can talk about 
how much to spend what will be my rois how i am going to do this thing who are involved into this whole process that's a very strategic and you know risk based uh, risk based uh, process and it has to be adopted from top to bottom and bottom to top it's a both way approach we cannot say that that only one person one team or one single person from a management is responsible everyone is responsible how we say that security is incomplete without you the same thing goes on with this thing as well that zero trust is zero trust whatever we do it, the name itself defines it as a zero trust so it's an ongoing process the new employee will be coming existing employee will be assessed and that's how it has to be done obviously we have to look for the strategic approach and risk based profile that's my thought thank you yeah. and if i could add to what uh, bra was saying um we need to pick one thing and do it really well instead of trying to pick 90 things and do them halfway or mediocre i mean the, the problem people run into is they they want to take on so many different things they want to take on different elements and all oh, just puts new thing in a new stack a new tool a new new vendor a new solution and and now you're doing you know you're spread so thin that you can't even focus on anything so we need if we're if we're truly going down the zero trust path we need to pick one element of it and do it really well learn our lessons figure out you know how it worked and and what we uh, you know need to change and and do moving forward then as we kind of uh, you know build our strategy out and take a look at things we see we understand okay this didn't work so well we need to make some adjustments or this worked really well as keep going that path and and uh, you know kind of take it from that standpoint so do one thing well learn your lessons and then do the next thing well too Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Gerald, when we come back, like to ask you that. Okay, on one hand, you said since OMB is telling you to, you know, um, push this, and that's why you have a mandate. But then, we also need an ongoing support, and for that, you need to have a compelling business case. So, yes, you know, you're from government, but there are a lot of people who would be listening to this would come from the private sector who will have to make a business case and i'm assuming you also need to but what is it that for this marathon i don't even call it a sprint right because it's a long term play so how do you create a compelling business case for this marathon type in you know initiative so that you have not just only the upfront but also the ongoing support and sponsorship so please stay tuned listeners we'll be right back Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. com You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sanjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Gerald, we need sponsorship and support from our management all along because this is a long-term journey as we all said it. what would you say would be the tenets of business case which when made for zero trust will give you what the blessing the money the support the the influence that you need to make zero trust happen yeah so 
that, that's a great question. So um, definitely, you know, I, you know, I like, I like to go back to, you know, 101, right? You know, what, what are we trying to do for our users? They have a mission to do. We want to make sure that, you know, confidentiality, integrity, and availability is always there. You know, those are the, the, the triage of, for cybersecurity. Um, and, you know, if you're doing those things right, your people are getting their mission done um, because they're confident. The system's available when they need it and the data that they're relying on, it has the integrity that they can trust. So in doing that, of course, like I said, you know, there's yet yeah, I, I'm working to get buy-in for the whole organization. That was that has been my effort from the C-suite to understand here's the current state uh, and doing investments in these areas will get us um, forward so that we can maintain the mission, then people have the right data at the right time and can rely on it. So one of the things that we did is we did some visual displays in our business case for our management. So we had this capabilities model and we had all these functional capabilities and we did an inventory of as is for each of those functional capabilities. And there's about probably 70 functional capabilities, um, cybersecurity capabilities. And we put them in the pillars um, of, of zero trust that Department of Homeland Security is defined. Um, we added a couple other pillars to split some things out. And we kind of showed them, this is the state as we are now. Now, a lot of red, a lot of yellow on that. You know, red meaning we have gaps. We got a lot of work to do in this in this area. Um, others is, you know, yellow is we have some tweaking to do. We had a bit of green. We're, we're doing good at these. So we can adopt these and we can take credit for these. Um, but that was very visually telling. It's like, yeah, we we have some work to do on the cybersecurity front um, if we want to do, and zero trust is that way to do that because, you know, you also got to say, you know, everybody talks about the malicious actor. It's not always the malicious actor. It's just that person trying to get something done um, and get their mission done. But if they are able to circumvent your, your security that you put in place, guess what? Bad guys can too. So we, we kind of put together that argument. We've also reached out and we've already educated and gave a 101 to our user base on zero trust. And what we're, and I mentioned earlier, we're making a modernization effort as well, because why we're telling them, hey, here's some benefits that you're also gonna get as a result of us doing this. Like right today, I VPN them back and rely on an on-premise network just to put them back out to the cloud and the internet. Well, there's technologies now that I can leverage for zero trust and still have the security telemetry, but I can send them more direct. Um, also, single sign-on, you know, authentication, doing things around identity, more seamless movement between platforms, having the right data at the right time that has that integrity. But in the turn, we're also asking them, how do you want to work? Not how do you work, but how do you want to work? So we can build those requirements in. Um, what is the data you need? When do you need that data? How do you access that data? How do you want to access that data? Because, you know, with COVID and everything, people are working differently. They're getting, you know, more and more comfortable. And, um, you know, we want to be able to keep accommodating that type of work environment. So building those things in makes it a lot easier to adopt because now it's not so much being just a security effort. We're actually modernizing the environment and bringing them benefits to possibly make their work better, a little easier. Is it gonna change? Yes, but as long as it's very transparent of what that change is gonna be, the less friction you're gonna have. So it, we, it's a huge marketing effort for us. Um, the importance of it is understood, you know, that, that graphic visual that we provided, um, you know, of course, you know, 
not being a, you know, a capital investment coming in and revenue coming in, you know, we, we have these budget planning cycles. So we're really done this investment. You know, what can I take advantage of that, that I have? First and foremost, if I didn't spend another penny, what can I do with my investment today? And I can show some wins, but I'm also able to show my gaps through that visual and say, and, and kind of spread it out. And like, now I'm reprioritizing also, like, here's how I got to reprioritize um, and take some risk. There's some risk you got to take to move something forward. So, um, you know, we've put that business case together and um, get some understanding, some buy-in. Our users are actually uh, understanding, having that communications early on rather than, you know, going in, you know, Frankenstein's laboratory, coming up with this IT thing and then trying to push it out um, at the last minute and then educating them after the fact. Um, that wouldn't go over too well, probably. So, you know, including them and saying, Hey, things are going to change, but you're part of the team. So we're making it a team effort. So I like to equate it to a football team or, or any kind of team. It's like, I do the work for our fans. Our fans are our users. And if I'm doing good and putting a good product on the field, making my fans happy, they're liking what they're seeing. They're able to provide input into that. Then you know, it's going to be a much easier road to hope, I think. So, Dan, when you're looking at the this whole business case development, which, of course, uh, Gerald, thanks so much. Good, good response there. We also have to uh, explain the leaders along with building the business case that we will need their support. And which means you have to actually wear the hat of a leader, which you anyways do in all uh, areas. But in this case, it will be interesting because you have to lead up, lead sideways and lead down because this is so holistic. So what would you say, what new leadership muscles or what new communication approaches which you saw tried and and uh, if they worked or they did not work? Would love to get your inputs on that, especially in context of the zero trust. What did you try besides the tactics you will do with the leadership that you used or the communication styles you used, which actually ended up working well for you or which ones did not work for that matter? Yeah, well, plenty of things don't work well, but uh, I tell you what does work well, and, and Gerald touched on this already, is listening to what the business needs, okay? So listening to the users, listening to what is actually taking place in the environment, because many times we're trying to solve a problem that isn't actually a problem, okay? So we jump in, we're like, hey, we want to just rush to the fire. We wanted to throw the buckets of water on it and we want to get, you know, get to work and you're like, hold on, that was a prescribed burn. We want that to burn. We want to get rid of the brush. We want to get rid of this problems in the environment. So you're putting out the fire that we just started, okay? So we want to make sure that we're solving the right problem. And and we're not going to know how to do that until we start listening to what the business actually needs and what they want. Uh, a perfect example of this is, um, you. L- let's just imagine for a second that you own a building of some type, whether it's a warehouse, office space, whatever. You, you own a building, right? And as a business owner, you want to protect your investment. So you get some insurance and you get a few things and you're like, okay, I'm in pretty good shape. And then all of a sudden uh, lightning strikes the building and burns the building down. You're like, well, what the heck? I mean, I didn't, I didn't plan on that. You know I mean? I didn't, didn't realize this was an issue. So you do some research and you're like, oh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm in a lightning area. This is, this is prone to happen. This is going to, you know, be a, a, an issue for us. So you go build your, rebuild your building, you put lightning protection up and you're like, all right, cool. I'm all set. Well, 
then a, a vehicle is driving on the road, jumps the curb, crashes into the building, and then burns the building down. You're like, what the heck? I didn't, I didn't plan for that. I mean, I, I didn't even know this was an issue. So you rebuild the building, you get your insurance check, and you put out the, the vehicle uh, bollards and everything to keep uh, that from crashing into there. And now all of a sudden, uh, you know, you say something that somebody doesn't like and arsonists burn your building down. You're like, what? I mean, you can't win here. I mean, the, the building keeps getting burned down. So now you think to yourself, well, maybe I spray fire protection on the building and keep the building from building down that way. Well, every time that you have a solution, there's another problem that surfaces. Okay, we're not looking at the big picture here. The big picture is the building is getting destroyed, okay? Now, it doesn't matter if it's fire. It doesn't matter if a satellite falls out of space and crashes into it, it earthquake, you know, the sinkhole open. It doesn't matter why the building is destroyed. The, the problem is the building got destroyed, okay? So we keep trying to solve the individual problems here. We keep trying to look at this from a business perspective of, oh, we need to implement zero trust. Why? Ask the question, why? Why do we need to implement zero trust? We go back to the business and, and listen to the business. Now, this is important. We need to listen to what the business problem is, which people always want to bypass and just, I already know the answer. I don't need your input. I don't need to listen to you. I don't need anything. And there's the mistake people fall into. They, they, we don't actually get input. We don't listen to our community. We don't pull those, those groups of, of people together. And what you need to do is have a representative from every area. So you need to have somebody from finance, somebody from HR, somebody from purchasing, somebody from IT. We need to have somebody that represents every part of the business to come together and say, okay, what problem do we have as an organization? What would be a showstopper for us? What would be an issue that we can't solve? And how does Zero Trust help us make sure that that's not a problem for us? And that's what I would say. I, I would say we need to make sure that we're understanding why we're even going down this path to begin with. And now we can build that threat matrix. I, I, I gave you a few examples of, you know, lightning and arson and things like that. Put a, put a weight factor on those, de define those. How likely is this to, to occur? Uh, is this a problem? Is this a significant enough problem to invest dollars in? And so once we have that matrix, the matrix will give us all the answers that we need. We'll be able to look at that and say, all right, we have a, a good use case for investment here. We can get people on board because we know what we need to protect and why we need to protect it. So uh, when Bharat, you look at the situation that we deal with here, right? Like, so, uh, you know, Dan gave an interesting way of looking at things and good analogies, by the way, Dan, about the fire and, and why the fire is. So all that said, I'm sure as part of your communication and leadership, buying in, et cetera, Bharat, you might have done it. But then you have to listen, and I'm assuming you might have listened to all, all, all a whole lot of people, and then you would have tried to put together a strategy on how you would even uh, define and carry forward this whole zero trust implementation. What would you say would be the tenets of that strategy, which when are uh, put in place. And as part of you even building your strategy, what safeguards did you put in so that you do not uh, you know, direct this effort into a different direction than what it should be? How do you kind of accurately position Zero Trust to become successful versus rolling a dice? Okay, so Sanjog, I will go back to my last point about uh, change into the DNA and doing a risk profile of the organization. So I'll start with that. And I have two different versions being into financial industry. I will say that zero trust is something we cannot just, uh, you know, look for uh, internal staff access only. It can be also looked from a third party user access and all those things. So it's, it's a 
ओवरऑल एक्सेसिबिलिटी फ्रॉम एवरी सिंगल पॉइंट ऑफ इंट्रैक्शन विथ माई इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर सो दीज आर द डिफरेंट पॉइंट ऑफ व्यू सो when you say that yes i have also faced the same kind of challenges and let me give you an example and it's something you know when we started the implementation of two factor authentication before that everyone thinks that username password seems so easy i have to just remember my eight character maximum and i have to just remember my three password history back i don't need to change my password maybe in 15 days or 30 days with the change in dynamics and implementation of two factor authentication for the sake of discussion you have to first convince the top that yes this is what the reason why we are implementing it because when you push things if the top management is not convinced that's a fail implementation approach so we have to start seriously communicating with them awareness campaign maybe on the organizational intranet we have to also see how we are communicating with all the users so adoption of any strategy starts with simply communicating from every level communication is the key if we have the right communication because at the end we are the one who are doing the risk profiling we are the one who are engaging technology we are the one who are engaging other business holders but communication if it's not happening and we are not doing a right and proper communication it will always fall down on 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 first step itself we know that the digital space is changing every day so the problem is how to convince and create it as a journey you know first thing first is you have to first ensure that yes they understand that zero trust is important so for example what i am going to what i have started doing in the initial phases just to ensure that they are aware fine there is an awareness but awareness has to be supplemented by certain examples now uh, there was uh, i will not name the organization but uh, within uh, within the country there was a, there was a i will say financial fraud happened in one of the organization in nigeria where they use the normal uh, spear phishing attack the user you know unknowingly compromised the passwords and then there was something been happening over the weekend and then on top of it there was an attempt and it, it got successful so when you communicate with your members you have to also mention that look this was the reason for this because you know business will not understand your technicalities we have to simply play the what you called is like the financial numbers over there and what is the loss if we implement this these are my risk my risk is the probability of my risk and if you implement the controls in place what are what is the probability of the risk to be materialized then the digital transformation happens so we cannot just say that the risk is something uh, it's a process it's it should be what uh, in an agile manner because the risk profiling changes as you change the organizational or the business needs are been changing now being into financial industry when i mentioned that it's not only for my internal staff third parties let me say third parties plus even my customers because somehow if i am not ensuring that the customer devices are been locked down properly there is a possibility that from the customer's perspective something will happen and which will impact onto my infrastructure so we have to look this approach as a as a holistic approach from the organization every single point of interaction whether internal external third parties customer even customer inclusive has to be properly adopted into the strategy give an awareness give a communication channel to the management hear from them that these are the challenges maybe business will come with their own you know because 
business will say that no this cannot be done but how we are going to have a win win situation for both we cannot just sit and relax that okay business has said they have accepted the risk but ultimately the risk will harm the whole infrastructure so the buying has to be come from the top maybe sometimes from the board in mid mid, mid range organization and to to show the roi it's very critical we have to always have maybe even the regulations can help when we are talking about the business case uh, uh dan and gerald can also help me out for example in us the government has mandated zero trust for federal governments now this federal government zero trust implementation can be made for companies that interact with government you know so it's it's a ripple effect so if the company if wants to do a business with the government they need to implement zero trust over there and ultimately their environment will get secured and hence wherever they are interacting that environment is also secured so these kind of business cases from a regulatory perspective from a business perspective have to be considered and then only uh, the binds has to be taken out so and obviously we have to continuously communicate and make uh, management aware about it that's my thought let's take a quick break listeners we'll be right back and general when we come back let's talk about the actual implementation there are so many different areas to cover as we see this is like a big elephant when we are trying to implement or down to the brass tacks where we find the most challenges and which elements are most daunting to implement let's learn more when we come back please stay tuned Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. com You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sanjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh Gerald, what in your experience when you started this journey? and you started implementing and wherever you are currently what have you found to be giving you sleepless nights <laughs> education um there's been a lot of education um you know people are used to doing things a certain way um specifically the IT staff and so i actually introduced them to zero trust so there there's been an education but and you know then i brought in you know certain vendors to kind of give them an idea of what is possible and things like that and then the light bulb started going off and it's like this actually helps with a lot of things if we were to do this kind of product not necessarily that product but hey and it started it started getting um some traction and some understanding and people started diving in and really understanding it and actually getting excited because some of the technologies that we're now talking about um are definitely going to you know ease some pains that we've been having with some of the legacy things uh the other the other thing is um is under, you know we understood the as is you you know after we started understanding what 
what um, the target state is, doing the as is, doing the inventory that I talked about talked about before, you know, I identified, you know, if we did these five foundational projects, these are our stepping stones to the next thing. So, you know, planned those five foundational projects while we finished the rest of the roadmap, um, understanding what our gaps were, what projects we would need to fill those gaps and to reach that target state that we wanted from our as is. But we also kicked off these five foundational projects. Now, one of those, um, as I mentioned before, is data mapping. Um, just understand and that's not network mapping. This is understanding where our data is, where it's going, because, you know, that's what we're trying to protect to make sure the right people have the right access to the data. Uh, understanding that um, we have some legacy applications within our organ in our environment as well. So there's some prerequisite things that we need to do to do the, the things that we ab absolutely need to do to modernize towards zero trust too. So, you know, there's the concept of, you know, the way I've done, this is the way I've been doing it um, and getting over that hump and understanding that from the technological aspect and understanding what the value it brings to your own IT staff um, and solve those problems that they've been historically doing. Uh, and then getting, identifying, I think those five foundational projects and getting that understanding. It's like, if we do these five things, here's what that allows us to take the next step to do. Um, one of those is integrating a lot of the tools that we have today and making relationships and understanding that data and that telemetry that we have, because that's ultimately going to end up feeding all the factors that I have to take into account to develop that confidence or that what I call a risk score to make decisions off of, do I allow you in or not? Do I, or do I allow you in, but at read only, you can't manipulate as you would in this other factors. And so building those thresholds. So what data do I have available that I can start relating? So starting that integration of that data so we can make decisions and start making our policies and understanding what our risk thresholds that we want to build. Um, so those are, you know, examples of a couple of the things that we're doing. Um, and, you know, now a lot of planning has gone on this past year. Um, you know, probably not a lot of things that you've people are seeing absolutely done, but all that planning now things are starting to come to fruition and we're, you know, getting to that starting line um, and starting to ready to run to use Dan's analogy, but we have a target state. Um, so we're, we're understanding, you know, we have we know where the finish line is for some of these things. Um, it's it's going to be a long race. It's, it's longer than a marathon. It's more like the Ironman um, <laughs> thing. And cause there's, there's more than just running. We're going to be swimming. We're going to be biking. We're going to be, uh, climbing. We're going to be doing a lot of things on this journey, but you know, we understanding what that target state was understanding the reasons why we want to get to that target state. And, you know, now, uh, that education, um, has sunk in and actually the, you know, my staff's pretty excited about some of the things that we're able to do able to embark on now and um, actually ease a lot of the pains that we were having and, you know, and getting rid of that whack-a-mole kind of concept, right? You know, all right, whack that mole. All right, whoop, another one popped up and, you know, or the little boy with the dike, um, you know, put the finger in the dam. Oh, there's another leak. You know, it's like, let's concentrate. What are we ultimately trying to protect at the end of the day? Where are our crown jewels? Um, make sure that our tight the protections are tight around those crown jewels. And, you know, um, that understanding is really helping, you know, getting things off on the right start and proper planning, uh, proper road mapping. Uh, so we can have a good idea of where Dan's finish line is.
Sorry to steal your analogy, Dan. No, it's all good. <laughs> we hope we know where it is, right? Yes. And then absolutely. So, so now with that said, so Dan, uh, while we would talk about the different areas of elements, but then we got so many things that this security team has to do. And I'm sure they have a day job. I'm not saying this is not part of their day job, but to some extent, it looks like superfluous and it might be spilling their plate. How do you not have this? I will not say nice to have. It is a very good strategic initiative. But how do you prevent this from cannibalizing into the other important down to the brass tacks execution stuff that your team needs to do? And and while maintaining their spirits that, hey, you can't just drop the ball on this either. Yeah, no. And, and this this is another pitfall that organizations fall into all the time. This is one of those things that. Uh, speaking of that finish line, uh, this in this case, we needed to run the race backwards, okay? We need to start at the finish line and start running the other direction and, and go back toward the goal. And when we're heading that direction, we'll need to see where do we need milestones and checkpoints along the way? Where do we need that refreshment station? Where do we need those things? That way, when we run the race the correct direction toward the finish line, we know what those objectives are. So. Speaking of the, you know, the staff uh, involvement and, you know, how, how we're loading them up with things, here's, here's the pitfall that organizations run into. They keep wanting to throw additional things over the wall and just take on one more thing, take on another thing, take on another project. And the thought process doesn't go into where, at what point is the headcount increased to accommodate this? Okay. So where do we look at this and say, this is going to take an extra X amount of time, whatever that time is, 10 hours, 20 hours, 50 hours, whatever. Uh, and, and being able to put that milestone in there and say, we need a break point in here to say, we can't handle this effort. We can't handle this additional uh, uh, item here with the staff that we have. We need to bring on additional people. And you're, you're not going to be able to do that until you have those objectives defined. If you know what that finish line looks like and how you're going to get there, when you need to get there. Okay. Is this a is this a six-month race? Is this a five-year race? Is this a you know a multi multi-phased effort? Uh, how do we look at this? Those milestones along the way are going to help us guide and, and direct that. So that way we'll be able to pre-plan and say, all right, six months from now, I'm going to need one more FTE or two more FTEs or three more or whatever that is. And we can't just offload this work. I mean, this work has to be done by somebody. The work doesn't just disappear because we don't have somebody to do it. The work is still there. And so now it's no surprise we burn out. I mean, this, this should not be shocking to anybody. If we keep throwing additional uh, things on the stack, at some point, the stack's going to break. We can't handle it all, and we won't be able to do it. So the organizations need to look at this and say, we have more things coming. Well, we need more people to do those things. We need to uh, adjust accordingly in order to accomplish this. And that's where I think we fall down. I think we, we don't look at this from a uh, perspective of, yeah, I want to get to the yes. I want to get to that answer of yes. I want to. I want to be supportive of the business. I want to do everything we can do to help the business, but I, I I'm not doing anything to actually meet that objective by increasing staff or or outsourcing something if I need to, or bringing in contract resources or staff augmentation or whatever. That work has to be distributed, and if we're not distributing the work, we're going to run into a problem where we're probably already there. I mean, you, you say employee burnout. This is why right here, we're not giving them the resources to do their job effectively and we're creating our own problems. So we need to look at this from a perspective of we have the goals, we have the milestones, we know what we need to accomplish. And if this is important to the organization, if it's important to management, then it's important enough to give us headcount to accomplish it. So that's what I would say. 
So, Bharat, when you're looking at the overall, you know, the implementation, the strategy and, and things that you've tried to do, and while Dan explained about what are some of the ways we can have the security team not get overwhelmed with it, we, we want to make sure that the end goal is not just uh, the people, the process, but also the tools. And trust me, I've seen it. I'm sure you guys see more than me the number of tools people are pitching as panacea tools, right? You, you fill it, shut it, and forget it. Can you just throw some light on what you've seen? And please don't name any uh, solution providers. We just want to know what is the reality when it comes to the efficacy, effectiveness of the tools, which in contrast to the claims that are being made about those tools. Okay, so I will start first with, uh, you know, engaging all the stakeholders. That's the very key. Communication and engaging stakeholders is a very key in implementation of the zero trust. So the awareness has to be the key factor and the communication has to be done very well. And when you talk about, uh, you know, uh, the information security tool, yes, we have to have many tools which are uh, uh, artificial intelligence enabled, maybe for example, a user behavioral analytics, which will ease the job. We are not overblaming the team. We are not even telling them that uh, we'll cut down or uh, cut down the staff strength because we are going for automation. So it's, it's a balance we have to manage between the expectation of the management and the expectation of the team. So some something has been expected at the board level and then how to achieve that particular goal is where the operational team has to be engaged properly. We can have, you know, small milestones and we can have a big leap towards a longer milestone. So that will keep engage the team that, okay, first thing first, maybe this is the target we need to achieve in 15 days. Once we achieve it, the team is going to monitor it and yes, they will be happy. And this is what I have seen in practicality. They will see themselves as successful and involved into the process. The next step can be take a bigger leap. Maybe implementation project will take a bigger giant kind of, you know, uh, process and technology to be implemented, then maybe they will be exhausted. Second thing after that should come that appraise them. Obviously, you have to take into consideration all their efforts. And then again, take a smaller one so that they will not be overblamed. The approach can be different based on the organization, based on the environment. But we have to do automation. We have to engage everyone. We have to also, you know, uh, communicate properly. So without naming the tools, there are tools which have failed. You know, when it comes to, for example, if something happens into the environment, all of a sudden, the environmental problem becomes every organization problem within that environment. For example, something happens into one of the bank, maybe in Africa, maybe in the world. All of a sudden, you will see that one vendor or two vendors are pushing for their products against it. That time is a heated time for everyone. You will be under, you means the information security team will be under pressure from the management that what we are doing, this happened over there. What is our challenge? What is our challenges to implement certain things? What are the steps we are taking to ensure that this risk does not materialize into our environment? Under due process of, uh, you know, pressure and looking for a tool, that information team may sometimes uh, look for a tool which is just like coming to them as a first. First come, first serve business kind of thing. Let me first initiate or implement this tool and then I will look for the features. Now, thorough assessment will be carried out because everyone is under pressure that 
so and we will look that if implementation of this tool will take us from 0 to even 50 at least we are reducing the 50% risk over here so those kind of uh, things definitely will be impacting the zero trust and also it impact when when the tool is not uh, you know uh, fulfilling the desired output or maybe there are certain challenges which are not been achieved by that specific tool then comes where the cso's or or the information security team handle it badly or give given a backlash from the management because they said that you have not done your job properly you know so those kind of pitfalls has to be considered always there is no one silver bullet to achieve all these things some small journeys longer leaps consideration of all stakeholders views and thought processes and considering that one solution cannot suffice for everything and obviously we, at the end of the day everyone is a human we take uh, we take decisions based on what is presented to us and what is our experience sometimes we cannot expect okay we cannot expect that everyone is 100% right so we have to start accepting the mistakes and move on from there as well so that's what i will say that you know i'm not naming any tool over here is rightly mentioned because it will again be a problem for me but uh, there are pitfalls we cannot say that everything is been as good as been shown and presented into the marketing decks so that's different what we always say that software demo is always different than the actual implementation so that's that's how the analogy will work into into zero trust implementation as well because multiple things come together it's not one single approach that's that's my thought once again thank you so much gerald dan and bharat for sharing your insights about the zero trust adoption starting from building the business case to strategy to implementation and overall governance thanks so much again thank you so much thank you have a nice yes, time thank you and listeners please like us on social media subscribe to our podcast once again thank you for listening to ctn this is your host sanjog all signing off till next week take care and god bless thank you for tuning in to ctn cio talk network with your host sanjog all to learn more about our program or for show archives comments or questions please visit ciotalknetwork.com thank you again for listening CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and BlackBerry.